While walking down a memory lane Oh, not so long ago Oh, Satan came right by my side Making me feel low He brought up thoughts of hurt and pain When I had gone astray He wanted to discourage me As I walked along my way He said, you're undeserving Cause I know where you've been I have a record of your life When you were bound by sin I know your darkest secrets That you would never tell What makes you think you don't deserve A place with me in hell I heard the old accuser And this was my reply I've done, I sure deserve to die. My righteousness is filthy rags, my goodness is unclean. There's only one thing I can say to what you said to me. It's under the blood, oh Christ's dear name. I'm not what I used to be, my life has been changed. Not shackled by given me when I was born again. He washed my stained and sinful past and put new life within. No longer do I bear the mark that sin had gone my way. Happiness and peace of mind, praise God I now can say. It's under the blood. Good choir. Thank you so much for being here this Sunday morning. 
We're glad to see you. Let's all stand together. Grab that hymn book this morning. I believe we're singing out of the red book. Let's stand and sing together. Brother Ken. Amen. We're going to sing a favorite verse, uh, favorite song of ours this morning. I'll fly away. Page number 333 in the red book. We'll do all three verses. Page number 333. I'll fly away. And thank you for being out here. I want to say a welcome to those who are listening to us via live stream. Everywhere. I haven't shared this with the church, but we have hundreds of folks now who pay attention and join our services on Sunday morning uh, via our live stream across the country and several international as well. So we welcome them into our services today. We invite you all to join us. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer in just a moment. I want to give you two quick prayer requests. Pray for Sister Helen, if you would. Uh, her husband was sharing with us this morning. She's suffering significantly uh, this morning, so please pray for her. Pray also for Sister Rebecca Craig. Uh, she's at home, but please lift her up in prayer, if you would. Uh, and then our services today. We need the presence of the Holy One in our midst, so we invite him into our presence this morning. Josh, you take us to the throne of grace. You join us this morning as we pray. Josh, pray for us, buddy. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning, Lord. We want to once again thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning, Lord. We don't take it for granted that there's a church here on Sunday morning with their doors open. Lord, we thank you for giving us the health and strength to come out this morning, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'll be with the services today. I pray that you'll be with the choir as we continue to sing, Lord. I pray that it'll be a blessing to each and every soul that's here. Lord, I pray that you'll use the choir to start to prepare our hearts and minds for the word that will be preached this morning, God. I pray that you'll be with Brother Greg as he brings us that message, Lord. I pray that he would say everything that you would have him to say, Lord, and not one thing that you wouldn't. Again, that you will just keep a hedge of protection around this service today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.
Amen. You can be seated. You pray for the choir this morning. I love this song. I hope it blesses your heart.
amen. I want them to go sing that song. I, I know y'all, I love this song. I love this song. Not just because of the way we sing it, but because of the words behind it. You search back over the history of your life, and there's been a lot of troubles and tribulations you've been through. A lot of difficulties, a lot of bad news, a lot of challenges. But one thing has remained constant. There's been an ever-present help in a time of need. There's always been a place, the psalmist says, where you can run to and find comfort. Find comfort under the shadow of his wings. Aren't you glad that when you need him most, you can run to him uh, and he's always there. Amen. Y'all sing some more of that. you this morning. I'm glad that when you think about the Lord, you think about him coming back. Amen. Scripture tells us that one day every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that he's Lord of lords and King of kings. You listen to Brother Bobby this morning. Hallelujah to the Lamb.
Church, he's coming back someday to take us home with him to stay where we'll live wherever we will share. And when that first trumpet sounds, we will all be glory bound up there. Thank you so much. Boy, that gets you excited, I hope, for the services this morning. Song service is designed to whet your appetite for the things to come and prepare your heart. And boy, choir, you knocked it out of the park this morning. Thank you so much. Let me give you some quick announcements this morning. Um, if you uh, paying attention to your bulletin in just a couple of Sundays, on Sunday, July the 7th, We'll have a baby shower for Zach and Ashley Reynolds. Of course, all of you know Zach is one of our military boys. He and his wife are having a baby boy. That'll be downstairs at 9.30 a.m. during the Sunday school hour. Please keep that in mind if you would. Please be much in prayer 
for our upcoming teen conference uh, on July the 15th through the 19th. Some information is in there. We'll be leaving teens that are going with us at 8 a.m. on July the 15th. We'll give you more as that comes forward. And then, of course, shortly after that will be the Women's Mountain Retreat, then our end of summer jubilee, and then school will start back up, and we'll be right back at it again. Uh, I've got beginning Awana dates in there as well as the Moving On Up Sunday. Every time I say that, I think about that show, The Jeffersons, and there's a whole row of kids who have no idea what I'm talking about. Amen. Well, hey, we're moving on up. Anyway, amen. To the east side. And there's a bunch of teenagers looking at me like I just grew seven heads. Amen. But all of you adults know what I'm talking about, don't you? Amen. Wheezy. Anyway, let's move on. Amen. <laughs> I'm not going to charge a nickel for any of that. Thank you for those that came out to the craft night for Operation Christmas Child. I appreciate your taking time out of that. We are, of course, collecting the quarters in uh, the medicine jars. Please help us out with that if you would. We will have uh, Christmas in July information forthcoming. Uh, and those are items that we collect during the month of July to help us get ready to pack our own boxes. We've got the goal listed in there. 219 boxes is our goal for 2019, so you please help us out. And of course, services tonight at 6 o'clock p.m. for our Sunday evening service. Keep that in mind if you would. Uh, pray also for Kimberly Durham. We've been mentioning to you, Kimberly has been at Stanley Town. She's home now. Uh, she's still got ways to recover, so please pray for Kimberly. All right, all the youngsters that are making, yes, uh, oh, thank you, Brother Tim. Uh, fellas, if you'll look this way, all the men, we are needing to update our usher list. Uh, if you would be willing to help us usher men, uh, if you would please put your name on the, where is that, Brother the Tim, right up here at the front. Yeah, right up under my nose where it says usher list. That's it right there. Uh, if you would please put your name on that list, I'd sure appreciate it. Uh, we uh, uh, always can use some more help with that. So please, 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 fellas, if you would pray about that and put your name on the list, uh, and then we'll add you to our schedule. Now, all the kids that are heading to Children's Church, Union Church, make your way down this morning. If you're visiting, this is our penny march. Uh, they're going to collect any loose change you got. Let's take off this morning.
while you're still getting money. Take your time, buddy. You get every nickel you can. Amen. Thank you, big guy. I appreciate it. Thank you, son. Good job, buddy. All right. Appreciate it, big guy. That's awesome. Everybody grab your handbook now. We're going to have a time of fellowship. Uh, stand together. Brother Ken will come lead us. Uh, let's all get ready to sing and shake hands this morning. Before we sing a fellowship song, uh, this past Thursday was our pastor's birthday. I know I told you last week we're going to celebrate this coming uh, Sunday on the 30th. We'll be celebrating his birthday downstairs. It'll be a luncheon after the morning services. That's next Sunday. Prepare, prepare and plan for that. But while he's standing, let's all sing happy birthday to him. Just tell him that we love him. Amen. <laughs> 30 again. Happy birthday to you. Woo! Happy birthday to you. Woo! Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Amen. We love you, Pastor. Amen. Let's all stand while we're standing. Hymn number 448. 448, brethren, we have met to worship. We'll do that first verse. Have a time of fellowship. That's page 448.
right, fellows, make your way down this morning, if you would, please. Uh, you'll be obedient unto the Lord with his tithes and your offerings. Ushers, if you'll please make your way down this morning. If you're glad you're saved this morning, say amen. God's been good to us. Better to us than what we deserve. Amen. If you look back over the history of your life, you have to be reminded that when Jesus passed by, everything changed. What a difference it makes when he passes by. Father, thank you, Lord, for the day, for your blessings upon our lives. God, it's good to be in your house today. Lord, we say all the time, we don't take for granted the fact that our church doors are open. Lord, uh, we're ready to hear from heaven this morning. Thank you for the music that's already touched our hearts. Bless this offering, God. May it be what you'd have it to be. In Christ's name, amen. Brother Rick, give me Renee's mic too, buddy.
right, I'm done. Amen. John chapter 6, please, this morning. Thank you, kids. Appreciate that. Thank you, baby. John chapter 6 this morning, if you would, please. John chapter 6. We're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture that is extremely familiar to us. One that is as relevant today as it was the day that it happened. We'll begin in verse number 1, and we'll read down through verse number 14. John chapter 6, verse number 1. If you found your place, say amen. Let's read it together. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Tiberias, excuse me, the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Jesus went up into a mountain. There he sat with his disciples. The Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come with him, He saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? This he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother saith unto him, There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? Jesus said, Make the men sit down. There was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves. When he'd given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that sat down. Likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. When they were filled up, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together. And filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth. The prophet should come into the world. Father, thank you for this story That is such a reminder, God, that little is much when God is in it. Lord, a reminder that what may seem small and insufficient and meaningless to us, when given unto you to be a blessing, uh, seems to return a hundredfold over. Lord, I pray your blessings now upon this part of the hour. God, it's so critical. So important, surely not because I'm doing it, but because you ordained the foolishness of preaching. 
Lord, use the outline that I believe you've laid upon our hearts today. Lord, to draw us closer to you. Lord, I know it's been said, but I'll say again, if there's anybody here today that's lost, I pray that you send the Spirit of God to convict them, and show them their need of salvation. And Lord, for all of us that are saved, it is my heartfelt desire that you'd use this message to strengthen us. May our walk be closer to you this week because of what is shared today. We're going to thank you and praise you and give you all the credit and the glory for it. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Heard a wonderful little story this week. A mother was uh, ready to give birth. Her husband was traveling for work and she went into labor unexpectedly so at the same time that a powerful storm took out all the power in the community. And so, knowing not what to do, she had her daughter, who was six years old, dial 911 and let the attendant know that mommy was giving birth. And the attendant said, we'll send someone immediately. Of course, the storm reared up, the power went out, limbs were down. It became a very difficult process, but eventually the 911 responder got there, explained the situation and said, Ma'am, uh, power's out at the hospital. The roads are blocked because of downed trees. Uh, we'll have to deliver this baby here at your home. He said, Not worry. I've done this before. I think I know what I'm doing. He asked the little six-year-old girl to hold the flashlight to, so that mommy could give birth. After several hours... Uh, uh, mommy gave birth and that little girl was stationed there just holding that flashlight and eventually here comes the baby and the attendant holds the baby up by its uh, feet, smacks it on the rear end and the baby begins to cry. Wonderful ending to a very difficult day. Finally, the 911 attendant looks over at that six-year-old little girl and said, what you think about this new baby brother you have? She looked at him and said, he had no business crawling up in there. Smack that tail again. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'll wait for you. Amen. <laughs> A story that is uh, repeated so often in Sunday school, children's church, junior church, any opportunity. And I know why we use that so often in children's preaching and teaching. It's because the main character next to Christ of this story is, of course, this little boy. This little boy with five loaves of bread and two fishes. A story that reminds us uh, that little is indeed much when God is in it. This particular story begins when Jesus is in the northern province of Galilee. In an area where he would spend the bulk of his ministry, of course you know that he was from Nazareth, but it would be the northern city of Capernaum where he would make his northern headquarters. Chapter 6 opens, Jesus is getting ready to cross the Sea of Tiberias, also known as the Sea of Galilee, as we read in verse number 1, called Tiberias because Tiberias is located right on the Sea of Galilee. When he discovers that he is followed by a multitude of people. John tells us that there are 5,000. We learn elsewhere in Scripture in companion chapters that that is 5,000 men. Besides women and children, scholars think that it was probably in the neighborhood of closer to 20,000 in totality. 
if there were 5,000 men only. Interestingly, these individuals, hear what I'm about to say, they're not following him because they think he's the Messiah. They're following him because he's become a bit of a local celebrity. They're following him because they look at him as a miracle worker. They're following him because they want to see him, if you'll allow this phrase, this expression, do some more magic tricks. That's why he gained such notoriety and popularity. Surely there were those in the midst who understood what he was about, but for the vast majority, he was certainly someone who could do the impossible. But now hear what I'm about to say. There was, in the midst of those, somebody who did not ask anything of the Lord. This young boy did not ask for magic tricks. He did not ask for miracles. He did not ask for anything miraculous of the Lord. Rather than asking, this young boy gave to the Lord. You see, that's what happens, folks, when a little becomes a lot. I make no apologies for the fact that my favorite hymn in your hymn book, the blue one anyway, is page 397, Little is Much When God is in it. I don't think there is a better story that illustrates this point than this one. This story of this young lad who had nothing but five loaves of bread and two fishes. So I want to give you, with the help of the Lord this morning, a message that I make no apologies for stealing the title straight out of that hymn. Little is much when God is in it. A couple of things I'll invite you to note with me this morning. Number one, please note with me the lad, the boy in this story. Candidly, there's an awful lot we don't know about him. Scripture just says in chapter 6, verse number 9, there's a lad. That's all we know. That's all we know about him. We don't know his name. We don't know his heritage. We don't know his parents. We know nothing about him after this story. In fact, we know nothing about where he is even from. He's just a, please allow what I'm about to say, a nameless individual who appears on the pages of Scripture and then disappears into anonymity yet again. But here's what we do know about him. First of all, we know that this lad only had what seemed to be a little bit. The lad had what only seemed to be a little. Chapter 6, verse number 9, the second part of the verse says, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. And even John records the conversation where Philip says, but what are they among so many? You need to understand, folks, that five small loaves of bread and two fish is likely enough for this boy's lunch and maybe a snack to come. This is not a large supply. In fact, this is what you might pack in a lunchbox or a lunch sack for this young boy to have throughout his day. I'm reminded that what seems to be just a very little bit, when turned over to the hands of God, becomes enough to bless thousands. I'm convinced this morning, church, that far too many of us think we cannot serve God because we only have a little. 
We only have a little bit of talent. We only have a little bit of time. We only have a little bit of energy. We only have a little bit of ability. But may I remind you this morning that indeed, no matter how little you think it is, a little is indeed a whole lot if God will bless it. The greatest ability that God is looking for this morning is not your time or your talent tithe, but he's rather looking for your availability. May I say to you this morning that when given over to God, what seems to be a little can be blessed beyond your wildest imagination. Little boy didn't have much, but what he did was this. He had a little bit. But not only did he have a little, I love this. I'm reading between the lines. This boy also had a listening ear. What do you know, preacher, or how do you know? Go back to your text, if you would, chapter 6, verse number 9. Scripture says, as we just read, there's a lad here which had five barley loaves, two small fishes. What are they among so many? Jesus said in verse number 10, make the men to sit down. Now there was much men, or there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number, about 5,000, and Jesus took the loaves. Somewhere between verse number 10 and verse number 11, this boy was listening. How do you know, Pastor? Because when we're looking at verses 8 and 9, we're talking about the boy who's got the five loaves of bread and two fishes. But when you get down to verse number 11, Jesus has got the loaves in his hand. That lets me know that perhaps this boy heard the voice of Jesus. Perhaps this boy heard the conversation that was going on between Philip the disciples and Jesus. And he heard the voice of the Lord that says, What you have, I can use. He heard the voice of the Lord speaking about him that said, What you have, I can use. If you're here this morning and you've ever been saved, you have to say amen to the fact uh, you heard the voice of God. You heard him uh, tenderly uh, calling you, uh, pleading with you into salvation. And thank God Jesus is still calling men and women to be saved today. You've heard me talk about this often. One of the great fears uh, that I think folks miss the boat on is they say silly things like, I'll get saved when I'm good and ready. Uh, May I remind you that Scripture tells us uh, we don't get saved unless God does the calling. Uh, So when God does the calling, that's the time to do the answering. Uh, Don't put off to tomorrow what you know you got to take care of today. But beyond the matter of salvation... I believe God is still calling men and women, boys and girls, into areas of service as well. You understand, folks, you don't have to be a preacher uh, to be serving God. You don't have to be a singer to be serving God. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher to be serving God. I believe that Jesus is still a man calling people into his service but the challenge we have today is that we listen to the world we listen to our friends we listen i know to our phones but god give us some believers who are listening to the voice of god in their lives this young boy had only a little he had a listening ear but i like this even if i did write it this little boy was willing to let go what he had Verse 11 said, Jesus took the loaves. To me, that implies that this little boy was willing to give to God all that he had. He was willing not to give up one loaf and one fish, but he was willing to give up all five loaves of bread, 
and both fishes uh, so that they could be used of God. Make no mistake, what the lad had belonged to the lad. Amen. What the boy had was his, but he was willing to take what was his and give it to God. How often do we kneel at an altar or pray in our cars or in our homes and we're asking God to give us something, yet we often are so unwilling to give to God what he wants from us. What does he want from us? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I'm going to give you four things that God wants from us. Three of them are things that he's given us and he wants back. One is ours and ours alone. Here's the first one. God wants your time. God wants your time. You see, folks, uh, we are as busy today as busy can be. If you've been alive for 40, 50 years, you know that every new invention that seems to expedite things and make things easier just means we're busier than we were last year. And if we're not careful, we can get too busy for the things of God. God can be placed fifth burner, sixth burner, seventh burner, and God reminds the Israelites often and thereby us as well that there should be no other gods but him. Oh, preacher, I don't serve a false god. You understand that anything we put before God becomes a god. Amen, preacher. That's exactly right. Preach that for just a few minutes. Anything that comes between us and God is a god, and God says he will only take first place in our life. He wants our time. Availability matters. Faithfulness matters. Not only does he want our time, he wants our talent. Amen. You see, God gave it to you. We're spiritually and scripturally commanded to give it back to him. Whatever it is you got, God expects you to use it for his glory. Time, talent, and your tithe. I knew there wouldn't be a whole lot of amens right there. I've been preaching now for 18 years. You can count on one hand the number of times I've preached on tithing. You know why? Because it goes over like a lead balloon. People will amen the living snot out of you until you start talking about their money. Amen. Can I just remind you folks uh, that Scripture is so clear, the tithe belongs to the Lord. It's not ours to do with what we see fit. It belongs to God. Those are the three things that God gives us, time, talent, and tithe. And he asks for that back. Here's what we give to him, our testimony. Amen. You can spend a lifetime creating a testimony, and it takes about 30 seconds to destroy it. You can, amen, you can spend an entire life crafting a godly testimony, living for God, and you can spend five minutes and it all be ruined. Here's what I want you to understand. Living for God is not a Sunday morning experience. Living for God is seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. He doesn't ask you to be perfect, but he does ask you to live a godly separated life. Amen. This young boy was willing to give what he had. What a lesson for us adults. This young boy had a little. He had a listening ear. He was willing to let go, number four, this lad learned. Look, if you would, please, at verse number 11. Jesus took the loaves. When he'd given thanks, 
he distributed to the disciples. The disciples to them that were set down and likewise the fishes as much as they would. Do you understand what that means? They didn't get just a little nibble. They were sitting down at the golden corral, all you could eat buffet. My wife knows this. We, we, we have to be careful around all-you-can-eat buffets. I take it as a personal mission. A challenge. That's right. Especially that, if you go to Golden Corral, I know some of y'all are too good to Golden Corral, but honey, I ain't. Oh, man. Especially that, that chocolate fountain. It's keto-approved. The waitress told me they took out the carbs, calories, fat, and everything. What did you do, preacher? I just scooted my chair up to it. It meant... That verse literally means that folks didn't get a little nibble here. They got all they could handle. Look at the next verse, if you would. Notice what it says. Verse number 12, when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets. You ever wondered why 12? This is Gregology. I think it was one basket for each of the doubting disciples. One basket so each disciple would have to carry one. Yeah, man. Twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. I said that this, this young boy had only a little. I said that he was listening, he was willing to let go. But here I think this young boy learned. What did he learn, preacher? He learned what Paul said in 2 Corinthians Chapter 9, verse 6, he which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. I, I, I don't know that it happened like this, but I can just imagine in my mind's eye what happened with the 12 baskets. Stay with me, a little bit of Gregology, but I can just imagine uh, that as this young boy made his way back home, uh, these 12 baskets and these 12 disciples are following after him. And his mama comes to the door and says, son, did you eat all your lunch today? And he says, yes, ma'am, I did. She says, boy, who are these men behind you? And she, he says, these are the disciples of the Lord, mama. And she says, well, what are they carrying? And he smiles and says, these are my leftovers. You see, what this young boy learned is that when we give all that we have to Jesus, uh, there will be more left over for us than if we keep it for ourselves. It's the way God's economy has always worked. In the harvest, filled now ripened, there's a work for all to do. Hark, the master's voice is calling to the harvest, calling you. Does the place you're called to labor seem so small and little known? It is great if God is in it. And he'll not forsake his own. 
Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you'll go in Jesus' name. The lad in the story. Number two, quickly, the lessons from this story. I want you to think with me for just a second about what this boy could have done with his lunch that day. Think with me, if you would, about the choices, the decisions he could have made. And while you're thinking about that, think about what it is that we have that God is asking for. Our time, our talent, our tithe, our testimony. Number one, the little boy could have thrown it away. He could have decided uh, that it was no good, that it was not enough, and just tossed it away. I mean, he could have decided that I'll eat what I want and whatever's left over, I'll just throw it away so I don't have to explain to mama what I did with my lunch. I'll just toss it away. How many believers today have done that to their own testimony? How many have decided that the world is too alluring? How many young people... Young adults have decided that living a separated life and being different from the world is just too hard and that they want to see what this world is like. Can, can I pause a moment and give everybody an important piece of advice? You don't have to lift the lid on the sewer to know it stinks down there. Amen. I will never forget as a freshman in college going to a Baptist church in Williamsburg, and the teenage Sunday school class teacher looked me dead in the eye and said, Son, you're too naive. You need to go sow some wild oats while you're at college. Can I pause a moment and say, That's the dumbest thing that woman could have said to me. Don't think it wasn't in the back of my mind. That's the stupidest thing she could have said. What she should have said and what I'd say to every young person and every young adult and every mom and dad is the steward, sewer down there stinks. You don't have to lift the lid and you sure don't have to dive into the middle of the muck to know how bad it is. You could have thrown it away and said it didn't matter. Do you listen to me? Your testimony matters. Your time matters. Secondly, not only... Could he have thrown it away? He could have kept it all for himself. Would you amen me? The lunch belonged to the boy. It was his to do with as he saw fit. Every time I read this passage or think about this passage, I think about a, one of the grandest, most incredible messages I've ever heard preached. I didn't hear it live. I have a tape of Dr. Jack Hiles preaching from this passage, a, a message entitled, uh, Who Paid for the Lunch and Who Packed the Lunch? Talking about the child giving credit to mama and daddy. Because you know this boy didn't pay for the lunch himself, and I can promise you this boy probably didn't pack the lunch himself, uh, but he sure enough could have kept it for himself. He could have said, this is mine, and I'll do whatever I want to with it. After all, that's today's mentality. This is my body. It's my life. It's my future. I'll do whatever I want to with it. That's the mentality that the church has been battling for 2,000 years. How do you know, preacher? Because Paul dealt with the same thing to the Corinthian church. They thought the same thing. 
The Corinthian church thought they could intermingle the world and the church. And to that very question, Paul says, what? Well, that's my emphasis, but what? Know you not uh, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. What does that mean, preacher? That means if you're saved, you don't own you. Let me say that again because some of y'all ain't liking it too much. That's all right. That's the reason I'm up here preaching, not you. If you're saved, you are not your own. You've been bought. First of all, God created you in his image. Secondly, you've been bought with a price. Let me give you a a little story that I hope will illustrate it. A young boy was given for his birthday a little sailboat that you had to snap together. A little model, if you would, that you had to glue the parts now, as a kid, I used to love to do that with model cars. You got the little, you get the little glue gun that you would, or the little glue thing that you would glue together. Then you'd snort a little bit of it. Amen. Don't look at me crazy. We used to do that in kindergarten with rubber cement. Amen. Amen. I mean, we anyway. So this little boy takes the model sailboat and he works and he works and he works and he fastens it and crafts it exactly like the blueprint finally it's perfect he takes it out to the lake and he sets it down and suddenly the wind comes and begins to push it and push it towards the other side of the lake it gets away from him before he can realize it so he rushes around to the other side of the lake but by the time he gets there the sailboat's gone He's devastated. He's worked for weeks crafting it so that it looked perfect, but it's gone. Three days later, he's in town with his mother, uh, and he sees uh, in the five and dime store uh, a sailboat that looks exactly like his. So he runs inside, grabs it, and sure enough, uh, on the bottom of it is his initials. He looks at the owner and says, sir, this is my sailboat. This is mine. I lost it. The owner says, I'm sorry, son. I bought that from a fellow who came in here and sold it two weeks ago. If you want it, you're going to have to pay for it. So the young boy picks up odd jobs, does chores around the house, and eventually earns enough money and comes back into the toy shop and plops down the money, and sure enough, he buys the boat. On his way out the door, he holds that little sailboat, and he looks at it and says, Sailboat, you're mine. You're mine because I made you, and you're mine because I bought you back. You're You're mine because I crafted you, but then you're mine because I bought you back to myself. Hey, church, we are not our own. We've been fashioned in his image, and he redeemed us. He purchased us back to himself, so please don't think we can do whatever we want because God owns us and we ought to give him praise for it little boy could have kept it all for himself finally I want you to notice little boy could have only given part of it he could have looked at the Lord and said Lord I got five loaves of bread and two fishes I'll give you two loaves and one fish and I'll keep the rest for myself I mean to a lot of us that would have made sense 
I mean, the boy had to eat, right? Boy had to have his own lunch. So he could have said, Lord, I'll give you half of it. I'll give you a third of it. I'll even give you three-fourths of it. I want part of it for myself. May I pause a moment and say, I believe that's the most common mentality among believers today. We give God part of us. But there's a little thing that we want to keep for ourselves. A little relationship, a little friendship, a little secret sin that we don't want to give up on. Can I remind you folks that Acts chapter number 20 tells a very pertinent story of a man who sat in the windowsill half in and half out. And when the evening got long, he fell out and ended up dead because he was further out than in. So I listen to me this morning. When you're half in and half out and the wind blows real hard, it never blows you in. It blows you out. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I'll close this morning with a simple illustration. Many of you are familiar with a naval pilot of yesteryear named Charles Lindbergh. Back in the early 1900s, Charles Lindbergh became internationally famous as the first man to single-handedly fly from New York over to Europe. A single-engine flight that he himself manned. When being asked about it, he began to talk about the difficulties that he had. The challenges that he faced on that one-man flight across the Atlantic. He said on the first half of the flight, there was a little voice inside of him that kept saying, Turn around. Go back. No one's ever made it this far before, and you can't either. You're silly. You're foolish to keep going forward. Then he said that he passed the halfway point. He passed what he called the point of no return. And then he said the voice in his mind changed. Instead of hearing a voice that said, turn back, Charles, turn back, he heard a voice that said, keep going, Charles, keep going. You're more than halfway there. You're closer to the other side than you were when you began. Can I encourage you this morning, church? There's a lot of us that need to get to the point of no return. I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. I'm too close to turn back now. I've learned enough to know, folks, uh, there's more on that side than there is on that side. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Brother Ken, would you sing that 397 song for me? Little is much when God is in it. Preacher, I don't have much. That's all right. God only wants whatever you've got. He doesn't want a little bit. He wants all of it. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. We're not going to have a long invitation. I want to ask you this morning a simple question. If you're here today, and there's a little bit more that you know you can give for God, a little bit more than you can do for Him than what you're doing now, I don't want you to raise your hand. I want you to just join me right here at this altar. Come on, all over from both sides of the aisle, both sides of the church. Uh, if you're here today, there's a little bit more than I could do for God than what I'm doing right now. Come on and join me right here at this altar. Boy, folks are moving from every side. You come on this morning. I want to ask you a second question, and it's the most important question you've ever been asked. If you're here today, 
Nobody's looking. Please do me that favor. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. If you're here today and you've never been saved, you don't know for sure that you would go to heaven if you died. But you know you don't want to go to hell. You would in the stillness of this moment just lift up your hand and say, Pastor Greg, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Anybody like that? Father, bless the invitation today. May it be what you'd have it to be in sweet name of Jesus. Amen. Sing for us, Brother Ken. Love is filled now, right? There's a work for It is great. Yes, it is. So God is calling to the harvest. To the harvest. Sing with us if you know it. Brother Ken, does the Does the place you're called to labor, called to labor seem so small and little? Known? It is great. It is great if God is in it. And till not sing the chorus if you know it. Little is much. Brother Ken, listen to this last verse. Sing it now. When the conflict, when the conflict here, is ended, here is ended, and our race on and earth is run, listen now. He will say, he will say to all the faithful, "Welcome home, Elliot, my child. Well my done." Child well Sing it now. Misses in prayer, fellowship with each other. God bless you today. Say amen. amen. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. Brother Ken. Amen. Heavenly Father, God, we are thankful, Lord, for this message this morning. Father, thank you for speaking through our pastor. Uh, we certainly do know that little is much when you're in it. Father, we just ask you now, Lord, you bless the rest of this day. Father, keep us all safe as we travel our separate ways. Father, looking forward to what you have for us here tonight. God, I pray, Lord, you bless your people now. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. <laughs>